You and I, as we continue in our series, Easter Eyes, now come to the cross of Calvary where Jesus Christ was crucified. And it's here as we look at Easter through the eyes of two thieves that we see once again the incredible gift of God's grace. Because it's here in the midst of absolute suffering that we see salvation. One who was redeemed and one who rejected the Redeemer. I'd like you to take your Bibles tonight or in the bulletin is the scripture and turn with me to Luke chapter 23. And we're going to start in verse 32 and read 32 and 33 and then jump down to verse 39. Luke 23 Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. I'll jump down to verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, So often what happens with the Easter story is we get so focused in on the center cross and we need to focus on the cross of Christ, but we get so focused in that we miss the other crosses. Do you see them behind me? Oh, they're smaller, they seem further away, but they're there. But isn't it amazing how with the Easter story we just kind of push them to the background, to the recesses of our mind? Why does it matter? Because it mattered to God. Because in all four of the Gospels, these two criminals are mentioned that are nailed to crosses on the right and on the left of Christ. You see, that day there were three crosses. Tonight we have to answer a really uncomfortable question. And here's the question. Which cross is mine? There's three crosses. Which cross is mine? Because tonight we're going to do something that we all need to do. It's called name it and claim it. Not a name it and claim it prosperity theology garbage, but a proper theology where we say, which is my cross? And we name the cross and we claim that cross. And that's the cross that we cling to. You see, there were three crosses. And the first cross that we see is the cross of rebellion. Do you notice this thief making fun of Jesus? Here he is and he's he's taunting Christ instead of trusting in Christ. Do you notice that he's joining in with the crowd? And what a contrast with the other criminal who turns to Christ and turns away from the crowd. And I want to ask you tonight, are you following the crowd or are you following Jesus Christ? Now, did you hear the words of the rebellious? If you are the Messiah, if you are who you say you are, 
Who does that sound like? What speech is that? Let me tell you, it's Satan's speech. It sounds just like Lucifer. Why? Because you remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, what did Satan say? If you are the Son of God, then prove it. Isn't it amazing how often we want God to prove everything? Why? Because we all want to believe by faith. We want to see it. Because today we think seeing is believing, but what I want you to understand here is that there was a criminal who trusted in Christ by faith. See, this man had spent most of his life living for himself. This was a man who said to Jesus, not only save yourself, but save me. But here's the question, what are you going to do if Jesus saves you? How are you going to spend that life? What if Jesus had saved him from that crucifixion? He would have gone right back to his former way of life. You see, here's the rebel's heart. The rebel's heart says this, I don't need a savior. I can trust in self. I've got the crowd. I really don't need Christ. And you notice, he missed Jesus. How do you miss Jesus when Jesus is that close to you? Because you don't believe who he says he is. Because you're still trying to get him to prove what he's already shown to be true. You see, this criminal was a lot like many people in the world today that don't believe in God. Like the man in the story that I'm going to share with you. There was a guy who went in to go see a barber, and really his goal was to share Christ. And he went to this barber to get his hair cut, and as they were talking, the man brought up the existence of God. To which the barber quickly replied, I don't, I don't believe in God. He said, well, why don't you believe in God? And he said, well, just look around at all the suffering. Look, look at the people that are hurting. Look at the people that are homeless. Look at the people that are hungry. If God was real, he'd have done something about that. And the man not wanting to argue, just finished getting his hair cut, paid, and left. About an hour later, he came back in. And he looked the barber in the eye and he said, Hey, because of you, I want you to know I no longer believe in barbers. <laughs> the guy said, What do you mean? I'm standing right here. I'm a barber. I'm cutting hair. He said, no, I just went for a walk around the city. And you know what I saw all over the city? I saw long-haired kids. I saw people with unkept hair. I saw people that needed a shave. And if barbers really existed, there wouldn't be people with messed up hair and needing to shave. And the barber said, no, wait a minute. Those people have never come to me. If they'd come to me, they'd have been changed. And the man said, hey, you remember our conversation about God? Ditto. You see, it's not enough just to be near to Christ. You've got to come to Christ. But you know what we're doing today? We want to trust in everything but Jesus. And so we've turned from the cross of Calvary. And we've turned to our man-made ways of, of saving ourselves today. And, and today we believe in our society that Science and technology can save us. 
and we've been listening to this lie for years now that somehow technology will free us. Can I borrow a cell phone? I'll promise I'll give it back. Thank you. Have you noticed people today? They don't even know where they're going, do they? You've seen families sitting around, and we're not talking face-to-face. We're what? We're tethered to technology today. This has not freed us. We are spending more and more and more of our time tethered to what? Tethered to a technology. But people keep telling us, we'll come out with a new invention that's, that's going to free you up. And what I want you to understand today is we are not a free society. We're a society that is tied up. Why? Because we want to trust in our technology and not trust in Christ. The first cross, the cross of rebellion. The second cross on the other side of Jesus Christ is the cross of repentance. This is the man who turned to Christ instead of turning on Christ. But sometimes we get this idea like one criminal was really bad and the other criminal was kind of good, right? Isn't that crazy how we think that way? They were both criminals. Scripture says that they weren't just thieves, they were murderers. These were both bad bad men. They were sinners in need of a Savior. The difference between the two was one turned to Jesus. It had nothing to do with him being good. It had everything to do with the grace of God. And there are some of you in here tonight, you think, you know what, I'm, I'm not good enough for God. You're right, you're not. None of us are. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But God wants to offer us this gift. The question is, are we going to respond to that gift? Scripture tells us in Mark that that prior to this turning in this man's life and in his heart that he too was taunting Christ. He was joining in with the other criminal. He was joining in with the crowd. And then something suddenly happened in his heart and his life. There was a change in his heart. And that change in his heart showed up in a change of attitude. It changed his actions. It changed his speech. Everything about him changed. It changed his mind. I believe that what's in our heart will come out when we go through really hard times. And there are many of us today, we think, you know what? What people really need is they just really need to go through something that's hard. Then they'll change. They both went through something incredibly hard. But let me tell you, it wasn't the circumstance that changed them. It was Jesus Christ. Because what's in your heart when you go through hard times is just going to accelerate that. And if rebellion's what's in your heart, hard times are just going to cause that to come out even harder. How many times have I seen families who really didn't believe in God until they lost a loved one and then they believed in God enough to start to blame him? What did that hard thing do in their life? It just brought the reality of their heart out. You see, on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, there was a revival service. And a sinner became a saint. And we miss that because we've so pushed the other cross to the side. But how did that sinner, that criminal, that murderer, that thief, that no good person that the the world had judged and found guilty to be condemned to death, how did he change? 
Let me tell you, it, it wasn't about an intellectual change or an emotional change. His decision had nothing to do with feelings and it had nothing to do with facts. It had everything to do with putting his faith in Jesus Christ. Because you see, that day on the cross, what he saw is the love of God in action. He didn't just listen to love. He looked at love. God. And I wonder as people look at us as we claim Christ today, as we claim to be Christians, Christ once, as they look at our life, do our lips and our life speak the same language of love, the language of the Lord? Or is there this discrepancy between the way that we're living and the words that are coming off of our lips? You see, this man changed his heart, and a heart change will always result in a head change. It will change everything in your life. And some of us, we want to compartmentalize Christianity. We want to claim salvation. But the truth is, there really hasn't been a change in our thinking. You see, a true heart change changes our mind about some things. And I want you to notice here, this second criminal, he had a change in mind when it came to God. What did he say? Don't you fear God? He's calling the other guy out, and he's calling out the crowd. And here's what I want you to see. Here's a criminal that's calling out the religious people. Don't you fear God? You see, when you and I come to Christ, when there is a change of heart, one of the first things that changes, our mind changes in how we view God. No longer is he trash-talking Jesus. He is trusting in Jesus. And this idea of having a fear of God is a reverence and a respect. And I want to ask you, do you have a respect for God? Is there a reverent awe in your life for who God the Father is? The second change is that he changed his mind about himself. This is one of the greatest changes that needs to happen. You notice what he says here? We deserve to die, but this man is innocent. Now, all of a sudden, there's a change in how he sees himself. He sees himself as a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that there are at least two times in our life where we need to be challenged in the way that we see ourselves. Prior to salvation, we need to see ourselves as that sinner in need of a Savior. But here's what most of us do. We just see everybody else's sin. We just look for people that from our perspective are bigger sinners than we are and somehow we feel good about who we are because at least I'm not like so-and-so. But you notice that everybody around Jesus was a sinner. But only one saw it. That's what religion will do to you. You'll think you're good enough that you really don't need a Savior. But I think there's a second time where we need a change in how we view ourselves. And it's after we go to Jesus and ask him to save us, the Bible says that we become his kids. You see, prior to salvation, we need to see ourselves as sinners. But after salvation, how do we need to see ourselves as saints? Can I ask you, is that how you see yourself? Because if you have called on the name of the Lord and you have been saved, then you are now a child of God. How many of us today claim to be children of God, but we're still defining our lives by our failures instead of the Father's forgiveness? 
that I'm a sinner instead of, no, I'm a son. Do you remember what the prodigal son did? He came home and he said, there's no, there's no way that I can still be a son. I'll come up with a solution to my sin. I'll try to pay for it myself. And here's what I'll do. I'll say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be a son. I'm just going to be a slave. And what did the father do? He didn't even listen. He put the robe on him. And he put the ring on him. And he kissed him. And he welcomed him home. And some of you, you are saved, but you're still looking at yourself as scum instead of seeing yourself as the saint that who God's called you to be. I also think he had a change in mind about prayer. That prayer wasn't just a curse word. That he actually could talk to God the Father. How many of us have had a change in how we view prayer today? Do you realize that one of the greatest powers available to you and I is the power of prayer? Prayer changes things. You remember when Peter was in prison, the angel came and led him by the hand through the guards and out the gates and into the city. And Peter thought it was just a dream, a vision. And then he woke up. You ever been there where you wake up and you go, wow, look what God's really done in my life. This isn't a dream. This isn't just something I I thought up. God really did this. He freed me from things, from bondage, from fears. But have you ever asked yourself the question, what called the angel? Prayer called the angel. A faithful group of followers who said, you know what, we're going to have a prayer meeting for Peter. And what happened? A powerful church is a praying church. And as Corey Ten Boom often asks people, is prayer your spare tire that you just pull out when you've got problems or is it your steering wheel that allows you to make every single decision and every direction change in your life? But you see, he also had a change when it came to eternity. He changed his mind about the way that he saw eternity. And he turns to Jesus and he says this, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now I'm thinking beyond the grave. And this is probably the hardest change for most of us. Because most of us, we don't want to look at that. Do you realize that both of these condemned men knew that in a short while they would die? Here's a question, do you know that you're going to die? Now they didn't know if it would be in the next hour They didn't know how long that suffering would continue, but they knew at some point that day that they were going to die and face eternity. And you and I, we don't know if we've got another minute. We don't know if we've got an hour, if we've got a month, if we've got a year, if we've got 20 years. But here's the reality. Every single one of us in this room is just like those two criminals, and someday we're going to die. And the question is, Have you changed your mind about eternity? You see, both of them were faced with the same opportunity, the same Jesus. They were both the same distance from the cross. But one of them chose the crowd and went to hell. And one of them chose Christ and went to heaven. What will be your choice? What side of the cross are you on? Are you on the side of forgiveness or the side of being forsaken? see, the truth of the matter is we're all going to die once physically. 
but some of us are going to die a second time spiritually. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you haven't just been physically born, you've been born again. And if you've been born twice, you're only going to die once, a physical death. Jesus is going to save you from that spiritual death. You and I have an opportunity. But as I said before, it's not enough just to be close to the cross. You've got to come to Christ. And there are some of us here who are so close and yet we're so far away. We're like that criminal on the cross. Because we're going to reject the free gift of God's incredible grace. The Bible says this very simply that we what? Call on the name of the Lord. Those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What did he say? Jesus, remember me. Here's what's amazing. He didn't say, Jesus, give me more time. He didn't say, Jesus, let me see my mom again. He didn't say, Jesus, give me a mansion. He just simply said, Jesus, remember me. And I want to ask you, has there been a point in your life where you've admitted that you're a sinner and you have cried out for Jesus Christ to save you? Are you a child of God? Which side of that cross are you on? And if you have made that decision for Jesus, I want to ask you this question. Who are you praying for? Who is it that you know right now that desperately needs Jesus? That is that criminal, that sinner, just like you were in need of a Savior? Because it's here that you and I see the third cross, and it's the cross of redemption. To redeem means to buy back. It means that you and I were bought back from the slave market of sin. And what was the price? The price was the precious blood of Jesus. When was the last time you stopped to really contemplate the high price? What really had to happen in order for Jesus to redeem you, to buy you back, that he had to die in your place and the cost was his precious blood? that we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You see, tonight, you and I are going to have an opportunity to come to the table. And there's something just so solemn and significant about communion on Good Friday. It shouldn't have any more of an influence on our lives than any other day that we take communion because we're remembering what Jesus Christ did for us and we're remembering what he promised that he is going to come back. But it's on this night that we, we remember that he breathed his last, that he paid it all. And you don't have to be a member or a partner of Mitchell Brian Church to take communion. You just have to have placed your faith in Jesus Christ but here's the thing, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, as you come to take communion tonight, I want you to do something for me. I don't just want you to say, yeah, Jesus saved me. I want you to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then his mission will be your mission. You will be on mission with the master. Jesus came for what purpose? To see people saved. Is that our purpose? Is that our heartbeat? And so here's what I want you to do tonight. In the chairs are little pads like this one. 
And there are some pens, and if, if there's not one close to you, when you come up to take communion, you can, you can grab a piece of paper and a pen, and here's what I want you to do. I just simply want you to write down the first name of somebody that you know that needs Jesus Christ, that's still on the other side of the cross, the forsaken side, not the forgiven side. And I just want you to write their first name. That's it. And then here in a moment, when I invite you to come and take communion, here's what I want you to do before you take communion. I want you to come up to the cross, and I want you to fold that piece of paper, and I want you to lay it right in there at the nails. And I want you to remember that name, and I want you to be praying for that name. It is amazing to me how few of us have people on our prayer lists And this is not a time of guilt. This is just a time of being honest with one another. You know why there's so few people on my prayer list? Because my prayer list gets dominated with my problems and not people. But can I share something with you? If you're like me and you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, here's the reality. You've got problems, but not near as big a problem as the people that you need to be praying for. Because here's the reality, your problems are temporary. No matter what your problems are right now, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, someday you'll step out of this life, you'll leave all the problems behind, right? Your problems are temporary. But if they died, their problems are eternal. And what if you and I had that perspective tonight, that we understood how temporary our problems were, that we said, Jesus, I don't want to fill up my prayer list just with a list of problems. I want to fill it up with people. Because you didn't come to die for problems. You came to die for people. And so tonight I want to ask you, name it and claim it, which cross is yours? If your cross is the cross of rebellion... Can I beg you to come to the cross of repentance so that you can experience the cross of redemption? For those of you that have repented, some of you are stuck at the cross of repentance and you've never really truly come to the cross where Jesus Christ redeemed you because you're still calling yourself a sinner and yet you're, you're a saint. Can I ask you, to come to the center cross. You see, no matter where you're at, it all comes down to the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray as the worship team come and you and I have this opportunity to place that name at the cross. And, and by the way, if, if you're not able to step up here and put that up, maybe someone else will do that for you or you can put it in the basket down there. Father, tonight, as we come to the cross, we come to the cross not just with a problem that we want to pray about, but a person we want to talk to you about. Somebody that desperately needs Jesus, and maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's a family member. And we've been praying a long time, but, but somewhere along the way, we quit praying for that person. And, and tonight, we're rekindling that. And I pray as we leave that name at the cross that that we would continue to pray for them and, and as we take communion that we would remember the high price that you paid for us. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for these three crosses. Help us to come to the cross of Christ. We pray these things in your name. Amen.